Ready? Okay. Uh, good morning, Andrew. Hi, it's Janine DiGiovanni here. Hi there, Andrew Gilmore here. Hi, um, Andrew, with the events of last week, the fall of the Afghan government to the Taliban, I want to look back to April 1992. You were a young diplomat with the United Nations on one of your first assignments. You also saw the fall of an Afghan president, Mohammad Najibullah. What lessons have you taken from that to today, 2021, and Af Ashraf Ghani fleeing the country? What um, what does this mean, and, and what what has changed in those those years? Well, thank you very much. I, mean, I think we all need to bear in mind that Kabul has fallen to enemy forces and a new government five times in the last forty years. The first was the Soviet invasion of nineteen seventy nine, and the most recent one is this weekend. Um, the second time was nineteen ninety two, the one you refer to, which was the end of a rather relatively, by Afghanistan standards, modernized, progressive society, admittedly a very repressive one, but the collapse of the Najibullah regime that had been backed by the Soviet Union was, it was very interesting and it has some very important lessons for today. One of the most striking things was that in, on March 18, 1992, Najibullah made a statement saying that he was going to hand over power to the Mujahideen government. And, but within four weeks, he had, the, the capital essentially was in enemy hands from his perspective, and he was unable, he was unable ever to leave. And he, what happened? He, he, everybody changed sides, and we saw that happening last week. When the Americans announced that they were going to leave, and frankly, people should have looked back at the lessons of history, that when an Afghan government or the protector of an Afghan announces that they are about to leave and essentially desert the people who have been defending them, then they have no incentive whatsoever to carry on fighting, to be the last guy to die to defend the government that's about to leave. So as in 1992, everybody changed sides and in, at incredible speed. On or, or, or like the actually the fall of Mosul to the Islamic State, how the Iraqi, how the Iraqi forces very quickly ran away and scattered. I mean, it was almost a very similar scenario. It's, it's so fast that I, I was in a plane flying with Ben Osavan, the US special representative, to go to collect Najibullah to take him out. When we took off from Islamabad, the, the airport was in government hands. By the time we landed, the, the airport was in enemy hands and we were take, essentially taken so hostage and put under house arrest. And he said, he made that point the next day, he said, even he didn't, he knew things would move fast, but even he didn't know they would move that fast. And this is what happened now. Is when Andrew, we're, we're, and, and actually time is moving very fast on this conversation, so I want to shift from the past to today. Um, I, I was in Afghanistan when the Taliban fell to the Northern Alliance in 2001, November 2001, and then went back many, many times to report on uh, life um, post-Taliban. But let's look at the Taliban today. You now work for the Berghoff Foundation, which is a conflict resolution conflict prevention center in Germany. Should we be legitimizing the Taliban? If they are giving us this new face, we are moderate, we are nothing like the guys that took over in 2001, are we gonna give them a place at the table? Are we gonna to talk to them? Are they gonna get donor aid? Should we be thinking of them as partners? What? How do you see this as someone who is, you know, now running track twos and, and working diplomatically with, with um, all kinds of people in negotiations? 
But of course we give them a place at the table. They've just won the war. They are in, essentially in control of the entire country. It's, it's not a question of legitimizing them. I think it would be a tremendous error to ostracize them and to immediately start saying, ah, oh, Afghanistan's- Even with their human rights record? Listen, they've got a terrible human rights record, but you don't, you don't just refuse to talk to any the people who are running the entire country. You try and work with them. You have dialogue with them. Try to hold them to some commitments that they are making to us privately, and indeed they've made some publicly as well, to try to maintain that leverage in them in a positive way, not just by endlessly threatening them with sanctions or more military action. One thing I can show you, Afghan resistance fighters do not take well the threats, and the Taliban least of all. So you try to engage them. And yes, of course, there are huge question marks as to whether they... But wait, but, but these, these guys, many of them came of age in, in Guantanamo Bay or in Pakistan. They have a vendetta against the West. You're talking, you're speaking of them as though they're reasonable people. We don't know yet what they're going to do. There might be a moderate faction, but more often than not, we're going to get them bulldozing girls' schools and going back to the days of, of the late 1990s when they were rounding up people in stadiums and amputating and assassinating people. You're saying that we should give them a place at the table and we're running out of time. So, so draw that to a close, Andrew. They're on the table already. They've won the war. I'm not saying we should give them any extra legitimacy, but at least talk to them and try to persuade them not to behave in the way that you're quite rightly concerned that they might. And we're concerned that they might as well. But let's at least have dialogue with them and not close that off, off that possibility of, of speaking to them. And the regional partners? Do they want dialogue with them? The regional partners are thrilled that, uh, over the humiliation of the West, over what's happened. So um, Pakistan and Iran will be rubbing their hands with glee. But, but of course, others are going to be concerned that there is going to be a very destabilizing force there. So clearly, we've got to take advantage of those who really do want to prevent the destabilization and the Islamization happening. And final question, the, 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 the refugee crisis that could ensue? 